If you want this podcast free of ads, follow us now on patreon.com forward slash David McWilliams. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. What in the world is happening on Wall Street? Economic indicators. Who knows where this is going to end up? To understand the economy, you have to understand human nature. This podcast is powered by ACAST. How are you doing there? It is podcast time. Hope all is well in your world. And it's Halloween, John, almost. Halloween. I used to used to be my favorite time of the year. I know, me too. Yeah. I loved it. And you'd spend weeks gathering all the um the bonfire material together. I know. And then all the lads from the farm in Rockford would come down and take it all. Take it, exactly. <laughs> sitting there, don't take our bonfire. <laughs> yeah, no, it was funny. They, they were really good days, really, really good days. Just the smell of Halloween, lighter fuel and bangers. <laughs> yeah, you know? that's right. Sparklers. <laughs> and bangers and all. But actual fact, I, speaking of our youth, I was in a bar last night. I'm feeling a little bit ropey. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> you have that look about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was led astray. As I was speaking of our youth, I was in a bar that you and I had our, I think, our first pint in. Oh, the Lord oh, Edward, the Lord Edward. Do you remember another yes, bar in the right in the centre? Christchurch. Exactly, a gorgeous little bar. They served yeah. us when we were about fifteen. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we went in. I said, "I swear to God, I'm." Uh, that's when we were connoisseurs of Guinness. Go, oh, this is a fine pint. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, you know that in Guinness, people actually tap a coin in Guinness. What's that about? What I don't. Our know lads that. do that. You get a, a pint. And they tap a coin, and as if it's a certain dullness of the sound. What? The no, point is never, ready. You ever seen never, that? never heard yeah, that well, before. That's, that's something. Anyway, I was in the Lord Edward. I thought it was a really <laughs> great boozer. Uh, we were, I was at Lucy's gig in Vickers. Oh yeah, which went really well. And then we we came out and just decided to go for one there. And I just remember, it's such a lovely pub. It really, really is. And uh, we were annoyed. It's got. A, it's has still got that smell. Do you know? I I always thought it was really interesting when they. Banned smoking in pubs. 
the problem for a lot of the old pubs the, the smell of the humans it used to the smoke used to mask the smell of humanity <laughs> exactly and damp and all yeah, sorts yeah no of no it, it's still it's 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 great but i i made the fatal error of doing the you know, like a speed drinking as you get... Ah, stop, Mac. Uh, You're too old for that. I know. It's kind of like, give me another pint. Give me another pint. Anyway, so I'm feeling a bit ropey, but it did bring back uh, memories of uh, our youth <laughs> going around. To John and I used to go around town. It's quite amazing. Like, we'd get the 46A into town and see where we could get served. And we'd have a fiver between the two of us. <laughs> in change. Yeah, yeah, in change. And we'd kind of meander up into parts of the town that we'd never been before. And back then, being up in the Lord Edward was really like going into the... Uh, the outer limits yeah. for us. Yeah, yeah. We were fierce adventurous, actually. We were. We were. We were 13 or 14. Yeah, it would have been... Very young. Yeah. Very young. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, enough of that. You can all, if you're listening, you can reminisce on your... What were you doing as a 13 or 14-year-old? <laughs> what sort of places were you hanging out? Not telling your ma, of course. What have you been reading this week? I tell you what I've been reading. I'm, I'm worried about money and inflation at the moment. I'm, I'm, Go on. But... And, and we, get it will, off your chest. I Mark. will get it off my chest. And we will talk about inflation because there's a significant, significant cleavage emerging in economics and financial markets and policymaking and everything about whether inflation is coming back. And if it is coming back, what does it mm. mean for the world? But I was reading uh, something about the origins. You know, I like the origins, right? Indeed. Getting and back to the get, source. Getting back to the source. And this actually is really for JM because JM's daughter was born six weeks ago now. Yeah. And her name is Maya. She's gorgeous. Uh, she is absolutely gorgeous. Tiny little thing. And her name is Maya. And then I was going back to the gods, the Greek gods, or the myths, because I'm interested in this carry on. Yeah. And who was Maya? And Maya was the was the cousin of Apollo, right? And she was a an extraordinary sort of creature, a goddess. But she is the mother of the last of the Olympian gods, who is Hermes, okay? Right. And Hermes is the god of money. So the Greeks had a god. They had a god of money. Yeah. So this is the fascinating thing. Right. And also, interestingly, it was the last god. So Zeus is sitting up in Mount Olympus, overlooking the family. Like yeah. he's the Tony Soprano of gods, okay? <laughs> and he's and he's hanging out, right? And his and his his missus Hestia is the sort of matriarch, but he's always playing away. Zeus, is, yeah, he's he like was a dog, wasn't he? He was he was a pretty yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, he says we need one last god. We've eleven gods. They need twelve, and it's interesting why the figure twelve is so essential in ancient history. So 12 apostles, 12 gods, all this yeah, sort of thing. 12 months 12 of the year. year. Right. I, we can come back to that as well because it's it's one of those numbers that's divisible by two, by six, by three, by four. Yeah. So it's a very useful number. Yeah. Right? But anyway, I digress in my little numbers thing. But so he says, we need a God. It's interesting that the last God they introduced is the God of money. And this is taken by a lot of med ancient historians and classicists as the beginning of money encroaching on Greek civilization. Right. So if you look at the difference between, for example, Greek philosophy, which is about 400 AD, emerges 400 or 500 mm. AD, and then the Homeric classics of the Iliad and the Odyssey, which yeah. is older, right? The way in which the Greeks think changes in that 200 years, and they become much more rational, much more logical, much more proof-based. I happen to believe, it's not my own theory, it's, I've read it a lot, but I think it makes sense, that the introduction of money changed the way the Greeks thought. And you can't have Greek philosophy 
with that money. So this was interesting. Right, so, okay. And so Hermes is the Greek He's, god of money. And he was the dude with the little wings on his feet. Yeah, and the reason yeah. they put wings on his feet, because they were trying to understand how quick money moves. That's what it was. It was, it was oh, the velocity of money. This is the whole idea, was just the that money changes the pace of life. Right, right. Okay. So this is a lot of the stuff with the wings and everything. It's actually much more profound than yeah. you just think. Some geese are flying around the place, right? And That's it's the swiftness yeah. of thought that Hermes has. Now Hermes then becomes the Romans inherit the Greek gods, mm. but they change the names in most cases. And Hermes becomes Mercury, and Mercury is the Roman god of money, and it's right down to our like. If you think of the word commerce, right? Yeah. The English word commerce means com mercs with Mercury. So right. it's really deep. Like all this stuff is right. really, really deep. It's excellent. And I'm looking at Pompeii and I'm looking at, because Pompeii is the great example we have of a day in the life of a Roman city yeah. that was stopped. Yeah. And all the extraordinary commerce that was going on there. So commerce is with Mercury. And from that, you get the word mercurial. When something's mercurial, yeah. it's slippery. And money is slippery. You know, ask anybody who's lost money. Sometimes you have it, and then it's gone. So where the fuck yeah. did that go? Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and so money is mercurial, and it's 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 that that idea that it seeps into every part of society, and this is what interests me because right now, John, there is a significant debate. Economics only gets interested in money when money goes bad, right? When yeah. inflation emerges, yeah. But I think actually, and the course that the online course is all about the other properties of money. So economics only gets worried worried about is, is inflation going up? Is it going down? Right. Mm. But I'm much more interested in money when it's not going bad, when it's going well, and how it changes our minds and how it changes the way we think about the world. Right. But in actual fact, economists and the global economy and financial markets right now are only worried about one question, which is whether inflation is coming back. And that's what I want to discuss in the next few minutes. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. But Mike, like where inflation seems to be happening most, or it's most obvious now, is in the whole energy. Yes. Side of things, you know. And what I can't quite work out is how much of the energy crisis is caused by manipulation, deliberate manipulation Mm -hmm. on part of OPEC and Putin and the like, and how much is is real, is natural. 
Yeah, no, it's a very interesting question. I was I was filling up my vehicle. I think I'm the only scooter. Person, 13 euros to fill it up. Wow. That's okay. Great. I was filling it up on Tuesday that. night. I was coming back from soccer. I was coming back from pathetic Owlad soccer. And I realized that the vehicle was out of uh, out of juice. So I, I, I stopped in the Stillorgan Road and I filled it up and it was 13 euros. Now, and that would keep you going for, for... For weeks. Yeah. For weeks. For weeks. Brilliant. That's great. Brilliant. But, 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 but I had, I thought to myself, that's a bit expensive because it was used to only cost about 10 euros yeah. to fill up, right? Yeah. Not that long. Yeah. So what we've seen is a massive, massive increase in the price of base energy, right? I'll give you a few statistics, okay? Gas prices, natural gas, which is a foundational price for lots and lots of energy, okay? Mm. Off which lots and other prices are based, Right has surged by 600% since last year. Price of natural 600? gas, right? Wow. right? Prices currently stand at about 87 euros per megawatt compared to 14 euros per megawatt this time last year wow. in gas, right? The UK, the UK itself experienced a 37% spike in gas prices in just one 24-hour period last yeah. week. Last That's week, a, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So what we're seeing is some extraordinary changes in energy prices, right? Now, there's a variety of reasons for this, but those reasons won't necessarily go away. Now, the reason this feeds into inflation is a thing called cost push inflation. So when the cost goes up mm. of something as foundational as energy, that pushes up the price of everything else around yeah. it, right? Because the one thing that is absolutely critical for modern Humanity is energy. Yeah. When you have energy, you have molecular movement. When you have movement, you have exciting things happen, right? Yeah. yeah so yeah, if the cost of energy goes up, we have a serious problem. So that's the, the first thing. Now, the question then is, why is all this happening? And how does it feed into the greater inflation issue? The reason the gas is going up is because, one, our pipelines, Europe's pipelines to Russia mm. go through the Ukraine. Yeah. And the Russians are not that happy with their gas going through the Ukraine. So the Russians are squeezing us and they're not giving us enough. That's pushing up the price. That's number one. Number two, the other source of gas is Qatar. Yes. Qatar is, and I was thinking, do you, Callum Robinson scored yeah. a hat-trick. Yes, against yeah, Qatar, did. right? Okay, and the, the thing is, why, why, what is happening, right? And what is happening is there's this thing called liquid nitrate gas, which comes from Qatar. It's in bottles, right? Mm. And of course, the reason this has increased in prices is the price of shipping has gone up dramatically. Yes. Because of all the bottlenecks. You remember that thing that happened in the Suez Canal? All yeah. that sort of stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. So you have the Russians on the one hand squeezing, right? The Qataris, on the other hand, increasing the price of transport, okay? Pushing up the price yeah. of getting the gas from A to B. But also, of course, you have this extraordinary increase in demand from China, right? China is this, is, this is an amazing statistic. Every year, China is adding the demand of a Belgium and a Netherlands put together. Wow. Right? And the Netherlands brings us to the wow. fact the Dutch, yeah, and the Dutch are the biggest producers of gas in Europe. They have gas fields off the North Sea. Yeah. And they're reducing them dramatically because of minor earthquakes in the North Sea, which the Dutch are worried about will release gas into the, into the environment. So you oh, have this right. kind of perfect storm. Yeah, like little small tremors, right? Yeah. That happened over the last eight or nine months, right? So the Dutch are cutting back. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. The Qataris are 
expanding, but the cost of transport's going through the roof. Yeah. And of course, the Russians are squeezing us. And why do the Russians want to squeeze us? Because the Russians want to make sure that we build this. Have you heard about this North Pipeline going yes. between, yeah. which basically goes through the Baltic? So what the, it's the geopolitics of it. The Russians are trying to screw the Ukrainians, mm. right? Because the Ukrainians take a fee for every piece of gas that goes through, every cubic meter yeah. that goes through their, their area. They're saying, but in order to do that, they have to accelerate this pipeline going from Russia to Germany, directly to Germany. Yeah. As we've said before, Germany is a bit like Japan, is an extraordinary superpower of manufacturing that doesn't have any energy sources. Yeah, it's got, it doesn't have its, it's own got coal, source. That's about yeah. it. But then, and they can't survive on coal. And it also doesn't... Yeah. So what you're but then they become over-reliant on, on Russia. They're completely and, reliant and, on and, Russia. Yeah, and, and with the character that, that Putin is, you know, it's a dangerous game. Well, it's just... And it's the one, it's the one thing that I agreed with Trump on was Germans uh, should not depend so much on Russia. Well, I mean... We can go all the way back to Catherine the Great. Catherine the Great was <laughs> Catherine the Great was German. We yeah, forget we yeah. forget that the most amazing <laughs> Russian empress was German. Yeah, and the great, if you want to talk real geopolitics, the Atlantic, the Atlantis's big fear. So the Atlantis is basically the Americans and the Brits, right? West European worldview. Their biggest fear was always an alliance between Russia and Germany, and every single piece of British and American statecraft particularly through the Victorian ages and into this year, mm. this time to keep the Russians and the Germans apart because it's the most natural alliance. The Russians have no industry and loads of energy. Yes. And the yeah. Germans have no energy opposite, and loads yeah. of industry. So it makes complete sense mm. for those two countries to be allied. And that's why when Ribbentrop and Molotov had their alliance in 1939, that was the one that really, when Stalin and Hitler said, do you know what, we're on the same side. Yeah. Which they did for a few months, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. carved up Poland. That was the one that really freaked out the West because suddenly you have this, these two superpowers together in the European landmass. But we, but we digress. We digress. <laughs> Again. <laughs> we digress. Come back to inflation. So therefore, in the inflation argument are two camps. One is that, don't worry, it's all transitory. This is all about the fact that the economy is just recovering from the pandemic. Yeah. There is no real ability of pricing power to push up prices profoundly, and it'll all settle down. Yeah. We've been kind of taking that that, that view. And I suppose it's also, that's quite ideological. That's a slightly centrist, maybe left of center view. Yeah. Not left of center, but more- A bit of wishful thinking in there. It's more kind of, it's more because in order for Joe Biden and- other people who believe that inequality is too great and other people who believe that public investment is going to help people and people who believe that public infrastructure is important, public housing, all that mm. stuff that I believe in, you don't want to be ambushed or mugged by inflation. So the big fear is that those great projects, those big visionary projects, yeah. which will use the bond market to fix things and we can do things and there's not just a problem of money, there's a problem of vision. That idea will get mugged by inflation if inflation comes through, because what will happen is the central banks will react to inflation by jacking up interest rates, yeah. driving up the cost of dreams and visions, yeah, yeah. and suddenly those visions smash into the reality of more expensive money. That is why people of my bent are kind of biased towards, I mean, we all got biases. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't worry, it'd be transitory, right? 
On the other hand, yeah, you have to. the more right-wing view, uh, the less status view, the more view that was prevailed over the last 40 years all over the West, which is that inflation and the threat of inflation is just around the corner. The central bank is behind the curve. The Fed is facilitating this. And very, very soon, what you will find is that expectations of inflation will rise. And as expectations of inflation rise, you will go from manageable low rates of inflation to moderate rates of inflation, and then suddenly surge to hyperinflation. Yeah. Right? So it's probably worth us teasing out these. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So are you saying then that the the upshots, depending on which camp you're in, the crucial factor is what the next move for the Fed or the ECB is. Yeah. Are they going to are they going to increase interest rates? Interest rates? And if so, what what'll that mean? Well, recessions are always the wages of inflation. You know that biblical yeah. expression that the wages, it's like Paul McCulley now. The wages of sin <laughs> is death, right? Yeah. I think I probably robbed that from Paul, right? That basically recessions are always the payback time for inflation. So mm. if you think about the following, right? What happens is the economy starts to grow quickly, right? We all get giddy. Supply starts to contract. It doesn't react fast enough. Demand increases. Price pressures come through. Wages begin to rise. Rents begin to rise. Energy prices begin to rise. And we have inflation, right? Then what happens is the central banks, and during that inflation, there will always ever be an increase in debt because debt is simply the belief in a better tomorrow. So if you imagine this, right? right? Yes, People yeah, take yeah. out debt because they think, you know what, I'd be able to pay it all back. So if the economy is going well and everyone's going rah, rah, and the rate of unemployment falls and people are feeling good about themselves, then they start taking on more and more debt and they don't look at the interest rate. They say, ah, oh, don't worry about the interest rate's low. Yeah, it's going to be low permanently, right? Grand. So this is why recessions are the wages of inflation. So inflation rises. So the payback then is the central banks say, whoa, we've got to increase interest rates. Why? Because we've got to drive the demand for money down. Yeah. We've got to make borrowing more expensive. We've got to cut down on debts. And ultimately, we've got to, it's this idea, you know, of the accelerator and the brake. Yeah. So we've got to put the brakes on, right? Well, the problem with the way you put the brakes on, you raise interest rates. Now, rising interest rates can have disastrous consequences for heavily indebted countries. Yeah. And the problem with the world now is we are heavily indebted. Right? There's lots and lots of debt. And so that's because I mean, you know, printing money and print, dishing it out good oh for the well, last the, the, while. The, the thing is that, you know, the interesting thing about printing money is you never print money as a balance sheet. So there's always a debt corresponding to mm. every dollar that is printed, at least in the non-MMT worldview. Yes. Which we yeah, talk yeah. about the, the traditional worldview, right? So ultimately, how this impacts on all of us is that interest rates rise, defaults rise. When defaults rise, people get hurt. Balance sheets get broken. We were in a massive balance sheet recession from 2008 to 2014, right? Yeah. That can happen again, but it'll be different balance sheets that will actually be destroyed. Now, what you find, therefore, is that the central banks are kind of in a hole because they're kind of damned if they do and they're damned if they don't, right? If they don't do anything, and this transitory inflation becomes permanent, then what you have is this next 
idea of inflation, which is that the first idea of inflation is that inflation happens because the supply in the economy doesn't react as quickly to demand and yeah. you get price rises. Yeah, yeah. But then these price rises, so for example, people say, well, you know what, have an inflation of 4 or 5%, 5 or 6% for a couple of years, it's no big deal. And they're right, actually. You know, we do need probably bits of inflation in various different parts of the economy, yeah. right? I don't think always and everywhere inflation is a problem. Then what happens, though, is if people get used to it, a thing called inflation expectations kick in. That people so. think, okay, inflation's running 5 or 6%, so therefore I'm going to go for 10% wage increases, right? Right, okay. Because I've got to compensate from yeah. the fact that my real wage is falling. If, if inflation is rising at 5% and your actual wages are going up at 2%, you're losing a net 3% every year. So your real wage is actually diminishing. Yeah. So what happens is that people say, well, screw this. My expectations are going to be that inflation is going to be 10% next year, 15 20%, and that's what I want. So the way in which you see hyperinflation emerging, you know, our image is Germans with, you know, wheelbarrows, yes, Deutsche yeah, Marks yeah. buying loaves of bread, yeah. right? Or in Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe are, yeah. you know, Anywhere where there's been hyperinflation, Venezuela mm. at the moment, right? Turkey at the moment. Turkey's got oh, really? very close to hyperinflation, yeah? Jeez. They're having inflation 20 30% per year, Argentina, all these countries, right? Is that the purchasing power of the currency collapses. Yeah. People then choose to abandon that currency and go into more stable assets, be they dollars or be they gold or Bitcoin or something like this, right? Yeah. So you get this kind of monetary whammy. So how it impacts on the average person is that why money is critical in the economy is that inflation is a psychological, not a monetary concept. That if your monetary base becomes unstable and people cannot mm. manage their world around stable money, it leads to complete chaos, right? Because we forget that stable money is elemental to everything we do. If you don't, it allows you to plan. It allows you to, to plan. Yeah, it allows yeah. you to trade. But, it allows you to do. But, but not only is is stable currency important, but like if that becomes unstable, then it's a whole systematic yeah, thing it that is. begins to crumble. And this is where we get back to this idea that economics is a complex adaptive system. Right? Yeah. that everything is dependent on everything else. But at the fundamental basis of monetary economics is money, mm. right? And the fundamental promise of money is security around which you can organize society. Yeah. I think money is the most extraordinary bottom-up technology that's allowed us to organize society. So then you see what happens to societies that go from low inflation to moderate inflation. Lots of people say, ah, don't worry, it's kind of transitory, it'll be okay. And that morphs into fear about the future, that morphs into hyperinflation. Mm. And suddenly you're in a situation like a country like Turkey, because yeah. Venezuela is an extreme example, right? A country like Turkey is a country where, I'll give you an example, the lira to the dollar is now, it was, when I first went to Turkey, not first, I went to Turkey about four years ago, five years ago, it was one lira 60 to the dollar. Yes. It's now nine liras to the dollar. So wow. the currency is collapsing. What, what, what has happened there? Well, what has basically happened is exactly this, that Erdogan has tried to keep a growth miracle going. So in the first part of Erdogan's premiership, mm. it was actually an amazing growth period for yeah. Turkey, right? Yeah. But what they've tried to do is they've tried to... Well, so, so we come back to the, the idea of inflation, the recession being the wages of inflation. So Turkey grows very, very quickly. 
has a massive current account deficit. So it's absorbing in. The Turks are spending like hell, right? Yeah, yeah. They're absorbing in capital. They're going into debt, going into more and more and more debt, right? Qatar, our friends, are actually financing a huge amount of the current account deficit, okay. right? Yeah. And that's for geostrategic reasons, yeah. right? Because Qatar needs Turkey because Turkey needs Qatar. So Turkey needs Qatar for money and Qatar needs Turkey for influence. Yeah. Because Turkey's a huge country. It's a massive power, right? But all the while, the currency is getting more and more undervalued and are losing its value. And the reason it's losing its value is because if you're running a huge current account deficit, deficit yeah. you're actually demanding foreign currency more than your own currency. So foreign currency's price goes up, is the dollar, yeah. and your own currency's price goes down. Okay. So okay. that's actually what's happening. And But that was a slow process, very manageable up until a couple, maybe two or three years ago. It's now getting out of control. Very, very hard. And did you do with COVID there? Or? No, no, I don't think so. I think it's just to do with endemic poor management on yeah. the part of Erdogan. It keeps firing. I think they fire their central bank chief again this week. They're, they do that all the time. Right. And I think the Turks will end up having currency reform. They'll have a new lira. I think. That but they, they also spend a huge amount on, uh, I know actually Erdogan went on a big building spree of mosques around Turkey. But they also spent a huge amount on on the military, getting involved in Libya and yeah, in Syria and the whole lot. Well, it's I mean it's a bit it's it, it's a huge country, yeah. and it's and it's and it's a massive military. But I mean, it, 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 what I'm saying is, Turkey is an example of a country, yeah, that went from a pretty manageable good situation, yeah, to a pretty close to hyperinflation situation, right? And and of course, what happens is when the economy cannot produce the goods that people want. They import them. And the more goods you import, the more pressure on your currency. Yeah. So you end up, the Turkey begins to resemble something like Argentina, which inflation expectations are so deeply ingrained that in Argentina, you can't buy a house for pesos. You can yeah. only buy it for dollars. So wow. everything is priced in, in a foreign currency. Yeah, yeah. And that's the result of many decades of inflation. So the question then is, would it be possible for a large country like the United States to experience a, an inflationary surge, right? And if that inflationary surge is so significant, what will be the long-term consequences? Well, now, we it, do have a model for this. Right. It's the transition from the 1970s to the 1980s. So in the 1970s, American inflation, actually inflation all over the world, mm. uh, the Western world, increased quite, quite dramatically. Yeah. Largely sparked by the Israeli-Arab war in 73 and OPEC's reaction, yeah. jacking up prices. Yeah. Right? But we're having OPEC-style energy price increases right now without a war. So this is what we have to be, uh, be quite aware of. Right. right? Th that, that, those increases in gas prices are real. Right. What happened then was the Carter administration got itself embroiled in what they call stagflation, which is what we really don't want which is when the economy slows and prices rise at the same time. So it's a stagnation plus inflation at the same time. Reagan gets into power in 1980. He gets this guy, Paul Vocker, who the central bank yeah. chief. And Paul Vocker says, okay, the only thing I'm going to do is I'm going to rinse this inflation out of the system. How does he do it? He jacks up interest rates. How high do American interest rates go? 20%. Really? American Fed funds rates were at 20% in 1981. 
Wow. Right? Yeah. And they destroyed inflation, but they also destroyed the economy. Yeah. So they precipitated a massive recession. All your Bruce Springsteen stuff, the river and all yeah, that stuff, yeah. was all, all, riff, all, all that stuff was all written at that time. Yeah. When large American industries that had been based largely on debts and had been based on, ah, it'll be fine and we'll increase prices and la, 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 totally collapsed. So you have, we have a model yeah. in our heads and it's not that long ago, right? For you and I, yeah. for the younger <laughs> listeners, it's actually ancient yeah, no, history. I remember well, Jesus. Yeah. But we precipitated a huge, huge recession based on destroying inflation, which the recession was the wages of the previous inflation. Could that happen again? Yes, everything can happen again, right? Do I want to happen again? Of course not. But could we be on the cusp of some hyperinflationary burst in certain countries that we never imagined possible? Absolutely. And the model is the 1970s and the consequences of the early 80s and a recession in the United States, unemployment hit 15, 16, 17%. Yeah. And the society was badly, badly corroded by that. That could happen again. You mentioned a couple of minutes ago about Bitcoin. Bitcoin is hardly a stable currency. No, but it's, for a lot of Bitcoin believers, it's an alternative to paper money. And that belief that you need an alternative has been heightened in recent years as we keep printing money. Yeah. So on Thursday, we've got Max Kaiser here. And we're going to talk to him all about Bitcoin. Now, with all that talk about money and hyperinflation, just before you go, don't forget the online course, which is Money and International Trade. It's everything that we were talking about. It's the theories, it's the practice, it's the history, it's the future. It's all that good stuff. And it's all on patreon.com forward slash David McWilliams.